So in late August of 2023, I feel like an all-out spiritual attack was launched against our church, launched against our people, launched against us as individuals. I'm not just saying this based on a feeling. I'm saying this based on conversations. I'm saying this based on things and feedback that we got from small groups and uh, particularly in our women's small group where these ladies um, take deep dives and, and talk about all that's going on and there's this very open and transparency and I really believe that there was an all-out attack that was launched on our church, on Restoration Church, that was aimed at us to stop us, to halt us, to hinder us, to cripple us, to keep us from moving forward in the vision, in the plan, in the calling, in the guiding, in the leading that the Holy Spirit has for us as a church. And I feel like we really weren't prepared for what happened. When I, when I picture this in my mind, um, and I, I begin to, to describe this to our staff about a month ago, and I'm a very, I'm a very visual person. So as I, as I speak things, as I describe things, I see, I'm seeing those things in my mind as I'm, as I'm speaking it out. I'm just, I'm a visual learner. I'm, I'm visual in that way. And I begin to describe this scenario to our staff. And what I saw in my mind was it was, it was almost like, um, I don't know, a mid-century town where life was good and life was going about and there were women and children in, in the city and, you know, the women were going about their business with, with their children and, you know, men were building the infrastructure of the city and building the city walls and everyone was engaged in the building of the city when all of a sudden it came under attack. And the city came under attack and... What happened is that the, the ladies grabbed their kids and children and, and ran inside and the men did what they would do and they took up arms and, and they began to fight and they begin to go on the defensive. They begin to defend themselves, which is exactly what would happen. Like, I mean, put yourself in, in some Hollywood big screen movie. You've seen these scenes uh, play out on the screen dozens of times. And what do the, the town begins to defend themselves, and rightfully so, they go on the defensive. Well, the army then leaves, and they carry off with them plunder. They carry off with them, you know, the, the things that, that belong to those townspeople. And the city is then left to clean up the mess, repair the walls, repair the homes, repair the roads, take care of the damage that was done, do their best to work hard and replace the things that were stolen. But a lot of times what will happen in one of these stories is that somebody will rise up and say, this isn't right. They came, they attacked us, we defended ourselves, we went on a defensive, but it's time that we go on an offensive and we go back and we take what is ours.
It's time that we rise up in a battle mode, in a battle stance, and we say it's time to take it back to the people that brought it to us. And what I really want us to understand, and as I really break this scripture down and a few other scriptures tonight, is what I want us to see is that we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And if you don't believe it, I mean, why do you think Hollywood always portrays these stories of good and evil, right? I mean, almost every story is is good and evil. You look at the Marvel storylines, you look at all of it. Why is that? Because good and evil exist in the world. They are two forces that are at work in the world. And what I'm telling you tonight is that we are in a battle and that God is calling us to raise up, to step up, and to go on the offensive. And as we begin these 21 days of fasting and prayer, I believe that we are positioning ourselves on the front line saying, let's do battle, let's go to war. Come on, the enemy is real and we're not going to let him have our our city, we're not going to let him have our homes, we're not going to let him have our teenagers, our church, our children, what doesn't belong. You cannot have whatever doesn't belong to you, Satan. And I feel like we are going to rise up as a church in the next 21 days and we're going to lock arm in arm and we're going to get ready to do battle and take it to the enemy and push back the darkness. Some of y'all are like, dang, you're serious tonight. No, we came in 2024 ready to do some business. We walked into 2024 in an offensive position, not a defensive position, going, if we can just make it through the year, if we can just make it through the year. No, we made it through the year, and now we're here, right? So now it's time to do battle. Now it's time to go to war. So let's go. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, because I'll, I'll, I'll say this about the church. I want us to feel the weight From this series, what I want us to walk away is I want us to feel the weight that we carry as a church. The weight that we carry as a church. Because look, we're not just a place that you find community. And I think all of us have found community here, and that is great. But there's a difference between us and the Cowboys Club. There's a difference between us and PGA of Frisco. There's a difference between us and the YMCA right here on Main Street. There's a difference between us and our our kids' sports teams where we find community. There's a difference between us and the PTA, and the difference is the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us, our ability to be able to push back the darkness. And so I want us to feel that weight. I want us to feel the weight. So let's go. 2 Thessalonians. Even as you read this, you may, I'm going to help break this down. And like I said, I'm going to slow build into this because I really want you to see this as we walk through this, the weight that we carry as a church. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse one says this concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him. Now, this gathering together, I'm going to stop. I'm going to teach a little. I'm going to read and I'm going to teach. I'm going to read and I'm going to teach. Okay, concerning the being gathered together of him. So this gathering together of him is what we would call the rapture. It says gathering together. In fact, uh, Paul wrote to them in 1 Thessalonians, and the reason that Paul is writing back to them in 2 Thessalonians, this is the second letter that he wrote to them, the first letter that he wrote to them, he said this. He said, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven 
with a loud command and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Come on, somebody say amen. Man, we're leaving this world behind. We're going to leave the troubles of this world behind, the sorrows of this world behind, and we're going to go meet Jesus in the air. That's an exciting day for the church. And so that's what Paul is talking about here as he's writing this letter. He said, look, concerning that, he said, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, he says, whether by a prophecy or by a word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. If you've got your paper Bible with you, you really ought to underline that phrase, the day of the Lord. Because he says this, he says, concerning our being gathered together, and then he says, concerning the day of the Lord. You go, aren't those the same event? Isn't the day of the Lord the day that we're gathered? No, it's not. All throughout the Bible, you'll see prophecies about the coming of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is this. It is a day of judgment or it is a what we would call a period of time that now we would call like the tribulation. How many of you have heard of the, the tribulation, the great tribulation that's coming? It's a time that the Bible talks at the end of the Bible. It is a time that is coming that will be the end time. It is also called the day of the Lord. So our gathering together and the day of the Lord are two separate events. If you're with me, say I'm with you. I know I'm going deep, but we're going somewhere. So there's a gathering together and there's a day of the Lord. And he said, don't let anybody fool you that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't let anybody fool you and say that you're already living in the tribulation. This is to the church of Thessalonica that he's telling these. So he said, don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come. Watch until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Some translations would call him the Antichrist is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, this is where I want to get to. Do you not remember that I, when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? He's saying, look, I told, I've, I've already told you all this. I, I told you in my first letter that you're going to see Jesus. and He's going to come with a trumpet and the dead in Christ will rise. Then those who are alive, you're going to go to meet him in the air. Now he says this, and now you know what is holding him back. What is holding who back? The man of lawlessness or the Antichrist. And you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. Watch this. For the secret of the power of the lawlessness or the Antichrist is already at work. But the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he is what? Until he is taken out of the way. Are you with me? So he says there is this one that is holding back this spirit, the spirit of Antichrist that is at work in the world today. Just call it evil. There is a spirit that is anti to Christ that is in, at work in the world today. But there is something that is holding this spirit back from it having its complete way in the earth. And that thing that is holding it back is the Holy Spirit. 
But the Holy Spirit is embodied in the church. The Holy Spirit is embodied in you. The Holy Spirit is embodied in me. The Holy Spirit is embodied in Restoration Church. The Holy Spirit is embodied in Hope Fellowship. The Holy Spirit is embodied in First Baptist. We, as the Capital C Church, we carry the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that until the church is taken out of the earth, and when we are taken out of the earth, where the Bible says right here that we'll be caught up with Jesus to meet him in the air, that that's when the Holy Spirit will leave the earth. And when the Holy Spirit leaves the earth, that that is when the man of lawlessness, this spirit of evil, this spirit that is anti to Christ will be set free on the earth. Are you with me? So, As you look at this passage of scripture and you look at the role that we play, the church plays in end times, we're holding back a spirit of antichrist. We are, can I say it this way? We're holding back the darkness. And listen, I, I know that, that um, we're going deep and that we're, we're looking at some things maybe and some scriptures that you've never looked at before. But what you need to understand and feel tonight, it is that there is a weight on us in the capital C church to be sure that we keep the Holy Spirit in our seats, in our pews, in our lives, in our homes, that the Holy Spirit has to stay active in our lives. Come on, somebody say amen. Because there is a day coming that is a day of judgment that I'm telling you, we in the church, this guy, I'm not going to be here for. When Jesus comes back and he splits the sky, guess where I'm going? I'm going on with Jesus. I'm going to be with him. And I'm not going to be on this earth in a time of tribulation where there's, there's sorrows and weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and, and it's going to be a terrible time. I'm not going to be here. But what I'm thankful is that we are the people that are holding back the darkness and holding back this evil. Are you with me tonight? Say amen. What does this mean for us? What you need to understand, what you need to grasp is the seriousness of we are the ones holding back the darkness. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, and it is his Holy Spirit that is in the earth that is holding back the darkness. It's his Holy Spirit. If it isn't in the earth, I'm telling you, you don't want to be in the earth, because watch this. Evil is simply this. It's the absence of the presence of God. Evil is simply the absence of the presence of God. And where there is no presence of God, evil will prevail. And there's coming a time and there's coming a day where evil will rule, but because the Holy Spirit will no longer be in the earth. But I'm telling you, we're the church. We're holding it back. And as long as God has us in the earth, come on, we're going to continue to push back the darkness. We're going to continue to fast. We're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to move in and around us. Come on, somebody say amen tonight. Can you see the weight that we carry as believers? Because I think many times we can take this role lightly. I know I have in my own life. I've taken the role lightly, but the Apostle Paul wanted to emphasize to the church of Thessalonica that they were holding back the darkness. So why is it important that the Holy Spirit is in us? I'm glad you asked that question. Why is it important that the Holy Spirit is at work through us? Listen, John 14 tells us that the Holy Spirit, he lives in us, that the Holy Spirit was sent to convict, and that the Holy Spirit was sent 
to lead us into truth. I want you for a second, just imagine a world. Imagine a world where we're no longer convicted of our sins. Imagine a world where there is no longer Holy Spirit in the earth to convict us of our sins. There's no more conviction when when I cross the boundary that I know that I shouldn't cross. When I I sin, there's no longer a presence there to to convict me and, and to prick my heart. I don't want to live in a world where there is no conviction. A world where we no longer care about sin. There's zero remorse or, or sorrow for the evil that's in our life. A world where there's no hesitation towards sinning. In fact, we run full into it. But watch what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. John 16, 8 through 10 says it this way. And when he has come, he will what? This is talking about the Holy Spirit. He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. But when the Holy Spirit isn't here, there's no one there to convict us anymore. 1 Thessalonians 1.5, because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with what? Power, and with the Holy Spirit, and what? Deep conviction. Because when the Holy Spirit is present, there will be a deep conviction in our lives. When we welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives, come on, we're not going to be able to go to the places that we used to go or talk the way we used to talk or listen to the things that we used to listen to. We're not going to be able to be the person that we used to be, but we are going to rise up and be different. Why? Because we've got the Holy Spirit active in our life, pointing areas out that don't look like him. And I want to look more like Jesus. Come on, anybody else want to look like Jesus tonight? Because the world without convicting power of the Holy Spirit is a scary place. So the thing, other thing that is said about the Holy Spirit is that he leads us into all truth. Imagine a world where there's no truth. A place where there's no one to lead us to the truth, the way, the life. Everyone is given over to their own desires, wants, likes, preferences, and the truth has no bearing on any decision being made. Imagine a world where there is no truth, because John 16 said it this way, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will do what? He will guide you into all truth. But when the Holy Spirit is taken out of the earth, when the church is taken out of the earth, there will be no more conviction. There will be no more leading to truth. So if there's no more Holy Spirit in the earth, then the people won't be led to truth. The day is coming when evil will rule. So if we know this, if we understand this, how should we approach this? Jesus told us this in Matthew 25, 13, Therefore, Keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. Come on, if we believe that God's return is imminent, meaning it could happen at any moment, we should be about God's business. Come on. Come on, if we believe that his return could happen at any moment, it could happen tonight. I told you uh, in our series in December, I used to have a fear of the rapture. I just, I was convinced I was going to be left behind. I, I don't have that fear anymore. But if we believe that, guess what? We should be letting the Holy Spirit move through us everywhere we go, in every person's life, every day when we wake up. We should say, God, bring somebody in my path that doesn't know you, that the Holy Spirit can work through me to convict them of their sin, that then I can lead them to the truth, the way, and the life. 
We have to realize that we are in a full-on battle that Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy every single person that he can. But our job as the church is to hold back the darkness. Come on, with the Holy Spirit in you, living and breathing, you are a walking, talking billboard pointing people to Christ. God living in you and through you, using you to point people back to him. Watch this. I want to show you this. 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. As some of you are like, well, why is Jesus taking so long to come back? Why, why didn't he do this sooner? Like, when, it, you know, when is it going to be? The Bible says no man knows the day nor the hour. It's, it's imminent. It's any time. What, what is taking him so long? It says that instead he is being patient with you. Who is you? You, the earth. Not wanting how many? Anyone to perish. God is just going, come on, church. It's time that we step up and we reach more people. Come on, church. It's time that we extend mercy and grace. It's time that the Holy Spirit begins to work through our, our life in a way that we can't even imagine that the Holy Spirit begins to touch and work in people's life. They're convicted of sin and they're led to the truth. I'm not talking about condemning people or shaming people. What I'm talking about is that we have a power called the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Us, the church that has the power to lead people back to the heart of God and back to the heart of righteousness. So then what does Satan do? Satan comes and he attacks the church. Satan comes and he tries to get the church to no longer believe or change its beliefs or water down its beliefs. He comes and he persecutes the church. So believing becomes difficult and hopefully people will begin to stop believing. He comes and he tries to lessen the church's influence in the world because what the church teaches becomes counter to the culture that it's living in. And so people want to dismiss what the church has to say. And so Satan puts his sights on the church to try to take us out and make us weak. But I'm telling you, greater is he who is in the church than he that is in the world. And until Jesus comes, we're going to embody the Holy Spirit and we're going to hold back the darkness. So Satan came for restoration, church. He came for our members, our people, came for me came for Shannon, tried to strike us with sickness, with strife, with sorrow, with troubles, with discouragement, with pain. We walked through this with so many people. We walked through this ourselves. He put his sights on us. It was a sudden attack, but I'm telling you, Restoration Church, come on, it's time that we fight back because we're holding back the darkness. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strong. Let me say it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't war the way the world 
world wars, but they are mighty in God to pull down strongholds in our city over Frisco, over Little Elm, over Prosper, over the colony. God is calling us to pull down strongholds and to hold back the darkness. And I'm closing. I'm getting close. So what are these weapons? They're prayer, they're fasting, they're worship, and they're the word. Prayer, fasting, worship, and the word. Because I'm telling you what we're going to do is we're going to hit back. We're going to strike back as a church. We aren't just going to sit back and let the enemy take ground, but we are going into a season of fasting and prayer and warring in the heavenlies. We may have been hit. We may have been blindsided, but we've regathered ourselves. We've readied ourselves for battle, and we're ready to take this fight to the enemy. We're going into a 21-day fast, a time of focusing on prayer and consecration to God. So why a fast? Five things quickly. We're recentering. Anytime in the Old Testament when evil was rising up, when darkness was prevailing, a holy fast would be declared, and it was a recentering around the things of God. Why a fast? Because I think some of us need to recenter around God, recenter around Christ, reorganize priorities, reorganize thought life, reorganize patterns, reorganize emotions, recenter around the person of Christ. Number two is why a fast is that we are repenting. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of turning from our fleshly desires and turning back to God, laying down things that don't belong in our life anymore. Number three is we are preparing. When you see fasting in the Bible, it was a time of preparation, preparing for battles and tasks and callings that were ahead. We are preparing for the days that are ahead of us, the things that are coming for us in, in 2024, our successes that are coming in 2024, the promotions that are coming in 2024, the victories that are ahead. We're preparing. We are warring. Number four, we are warring. Because fasting is a weapon. Fasting and prayer move the heart of God. In fact, in the book of Nineveh, Jonah went through and he preached to the city of Nineveh. And the king of the town, he declared a fast. And when they declared a fast, the Bible says that the wrath of God was turned away from the city. Fasting moves the heart of God. We are warring. Number five. We're inviting. It's inviting and making more room for God and the Holy Spirit in our lives. Remember, it's more of God in our lives, more of the Holy Spirit that's going to push back the darkness in our communities. We can have great events and but if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be holding back or pushing back the darkness. But it's fasting that invites and says, Holy Spirit, come into my heart. Holy Spirit, welcome into my world. Holy Spirit, welcome into my life.
God, I need you. We invite you into our situation. We invite you into our families. We invite you into our church. Fasting is inviting the Holy Spirit. So I want you to stand. And we're going to close here in just a moment with, with communion. But before we do, as we, as we prepare for this fast next Sunday that we'll launch uh, next Sunday night, and if you decide to start in the morning, you can start in the morning. You can start with this on, on Sunday night. I'm going to start my fast next Sunday night. And then we'll break it, um, we'll break it with communion on the, the first Sunday in, in February. Um, and so I just want to show you a few types of fast as, as you're praying about what you want to do this week. There's this. There's a complete fast, which would be like water and liquids only. Um, you know, you may be like... I'll do a smoothie a day or something like that. Uh, complete fast really is kind of water only. You can do like some broths or light soups or whatever. Um, partial fast is this. One of them is called the Daniel fast. And so you're just going to eat fruits and vegetables only. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I'd rather eat nothing at all than only fruits and vegetables. Shannon gets mad at me when I go to the grocery store because I buy meat and no vegetables. She's like, what did you get for sides? I was like, who cares about the sides? I got steak. So it really almost is like three weeks of punishment. Sorry to all the vegetarians in the house. I know there's a few of you. We love you. We love you. I'm glad. I'm glad y'all like them. That's great. Daniel fast is fruits and vegetables only, no bread, no sweets. Uh, and then there's a minor fast, which is sun up to sundown. Um, our... Our Jewish friends, they do major fast and minor fast. And the minor fast is sun up to sundown. A major fast would be um, sundown to sundown the next day. So full 24 hours. This is more, you know, I guess whatever, 12 hours. You've got a modified fast, which you just pray and you ask God, okay, what, did it, what is it that you'd like for me to give up? Dr. Pepper, uh, Sour Patch Kids, I don't know, uh, whatever it is, you know, whatever that addiction might be for you. Or media fast, fast portions or, or all, of, all of media. And uh, these are just some examples of some of the fast. But what we're going to do for the next 21 days is we're going to sacrifice. We're going to set aside and we're going to say, God, fill us with more of your Holy Spirit. Enemy, back up from our families, our church, our children, our health, our finances. I, I'm Listen, one of the things that I'm really praying for is like a supernatural help over our congregation um, to where the, just the even this just the how many of y'all would just love to not have the, the petty, random sickness, flu stuff this year? Like just the stuff like I just I man, then I got to go and buy medication and all the blood waste my money. And I like I just Lord, keep Restoration Church whole and healthy. So we don't have to miss church on Sunday night. So we don't have to deal with going to the pharmacy or clean up vomit or whatever it is. Like, Lord, in Jesus' name, you're going to keep us healthy in 2024. I'm praying that. So what are we praying for? We're praying for breakthrough in our church. I'm praying financial provision over you and our church. I'm praying for protection for you and your family and our church. I'm praying for restoration, not the church. I'm praying for restoration in our hearts, our lives, our minds, every area of our life. 
that we would be able to experience and walk and live in full joy and full peace. I know I put this at the very end, but restoration really is like getting completely healed internally so we can stop walking around with all the problems, the busted up issues, all the crazy restoration, salvations. Come on. We baptized 40 people in our first year. We've baptized 12 so far. So I want to get 50. Okay. Can we just do 10 more than we did the, the year before? So can we just get what, how many, can we get 40 more people? Can we baptize and believe and pray for 40 more baptisms and salvations this year? Come on. I'm believing for healing in people's bodies, emotionally, physically. And I already said this, but hope, joy, and peace. Anxiety's got to go. Depression's got to go. Like, they just can't live in here anymore.